What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 16 DFS MVP. I'm your host, TG Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my co-host, Mr. John Daigle, Mr. Pat Corain. Boys, we are winding down on the regular season. How are we feeling? Feeling good. Playoff yeah, basketball man. stuff's kicking off. It's like we're winding down, but are we also winding up? I think I'm getting no. more busy somehow. <laughs> we're not. We are winding down. Uh, it doesn't yeah. feel like I'm winding down at all. Yeah, playoff best ball is coming up. Uh, we'll get to that shortly with Corrine and everything he has going on over at Legendary Upside. Uh, as far as the regular season goes, this is the last crazy slate week of the year. Uh, Two-game slate tomorrow, which is Saturday, full slate on Sunday, and then a full Christmas three-day slate. Have content, ownership projections, leverage scores for all of those slates up on the site at 444.com. The Saturday slate is already up. The three-game slate content and ownership will be up sometime late Saturday night, early Sunday. So be on the lookout for that. But for our purposes here, focused on the main slate, we have a nine-game slate, which I believe is the smallest we've had all year. Um, and as always, Karain, uh, legendary upside. You talked a little bit about what you have going on for playoff best ball. Let's hold off on cover boy. Cause we're going to dive into that quite a bit. Uh, but remind everyone what you got going on for playoff best ball. Yes. Yeah, so we launched uh, last week, uh, dynamic playoff rankings at legendary upside, which I think are really cool. It's a kind of a draft companion tool that um, you put in your picks as you draft your playoff best ball teams. And it shuffles the rankings based on, the bets that you're making in terms of which teams advance uh, in the playoffs. Cause if you, if you've not played in these uh, tournaments like underdogs, the gauntlet uh, you need to advance each individual round, kind of like regular best ball, you know, like best ball mania. If the final round is the super bowl. So you're trying to figure out a way to get your, your teams to the super bowl and then flip over the cards and, Oh, I've got the super bowl stacked up. I'm ready to take down this 400 person final. There's a lot to kind of weigh as you're trying to figure out how to advance your teams, but also have teams that are alive for first place. So these dynamic rankings um, basically kind of help keep you on the rails as you build out teams that can accomplish all the goals at once. Yeah, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming uh, you are a DFS player, so most likely you do have some kind of action to, to go through Super Bowl. Um, but if you're looking for something else, I mean, that is the best alternative for best ball players, for redraft players that have been knocked out of their league. Uh, we're into the close to the championship rounds of best ball tournaments, so less than 1% of the field remains in, in pretty much any major platform. So the chances are you're not alive anymore. So uh, that is a really uh, good way to get some. Wish I drafted a little more Puka. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had, I had one of 406 um, Puka Kyron teams, but couldn't make it to this week to uh, capitalize on that. So um, yeah, that's the way it goes. Um, as a reminder, if you haven't signed up for the four for four sub yet, uh, again, we do go through Super Bowl. This is the best time of year to just give it a little taste going into next year. The price is only $24 for the DFS sub. You get an additional 25% off by using the promo code YouTube when you check out at 444.com. And of course, once you do that, you can upgrade to Solver and have all of 444 projections uh, synced right to the Solver. Um, let's get right into this slate, though. As I mentioned, a nine-game slate, very short slate. Uh, as we've said multiple times this year, it's like very top-heavy uh, and then a huge drop-off. The difference this week is that it's hard to even find floor plays. So we have a couple games with 
uh, high totals, high team totals. Uh, but I mean, just from a, a cash game, a chalk perspective, like you could poke holes in, in pretty much any chalky play, especially at the running pack position. So I think it's going to be a fascinating slate to walk through and, and to really see how ownership plays out. Cause, um, cause, cause there aren't really like obvious slam dunk plays here except for maybe one or two spots let's start with the game with the highest total on the slate that's the dolphins versus the cowboys dolphins favored by one point in a game with a 50 point total giving the dolphins a 25 and a half point team total so crane let's start with you in my miami who has the highest total on the slate but because of salaries because of a probable running back committee uh tyreek likely to come back we're not seeing a lot of ownership on on really either side so i guess the question on the miami side is do we see a repeat of how the bills smashed the cowboys last week avoiding that pass rush lean on the running backs and just smash them on the ground i think we definitely could i mean the Dolphins have been really conservative over the last few weeks. Uh, they had a 48% pass rate against the Jets, 43% when they beat up on the Commanders. That's really low. Uh, they were conservative against the Titans, minus 3% pass rate of expected against the Titans. So you can pass all over. They obviously lost that game. Uh, and then they were minus 10% with a 52% pass rate last week again against the Jets. So we've seen them really lean on the run, maybe even too much. Um, but this is kind of how you attack the Cowboys. They're a bit of a run funnel. They're not terrible against the run, but they're elite against the pass, and they're they're not great against the run. So, you know, and the Bills just laid out that you, you can run all over them um, if you have an explosive back, which they have two of those. So I think that they'll probably be, you know, if they're in control of this game, they're going to kind of be like the 49ers dictating the run kind of approach that's how they've operated most of this season uh can the cowboys wake up on offense and push them off of that i think is the question yeah we got um hn 200 cheaper than mostert on dk um both in that seven to seventy five hundred range so um, not super cheap but uh, again you are going to get pretty low ownership on these guys across the board tyreek priced up so high that it will keep his ownership in check especially in stacks with Tua, where he's priced up as well uh daigle you could kind of say the same thing for the cowboy side at least in terms of expensive stacks dak and cd are both very expensive the difference with the cowboy side is that Whereas if you're play two, you're pretty much forced to pair them with Tyreek because they just get there together. We've seen Dak use other weapons uh, successfully. Ferguson, Brandon Cooks to an extent. Obviously, uh, Tony Pollard can be a good pass catcher. So is this a spot where Pollard and, and CD, even though they might get some ownership, can we get a little unique with Dak and the secondary pass catchers here? It, honestly, it's the third week in a row now where the high total game, I have very little interest in just because I don't like the environment. A couple weeks ago, it was Bill's Chiefs. Last week, it was Bill's Cowboys, and James Cook was the only player to get there on either side, although he was important to the slate. And this week, I'm not interested in stacks, honestly, in this game overall, just because of what both defenses provide. Last week, quietly, Josh Allen, only seven completions, but he was under pressure on 50% of his dropbacks. Like The Cowboys were getting there. James Chuck Cook just ran it down the teeth of their front seven. And then on the other side of the ball, the Dolphins did score two rushing touchdowns, Raheem Mostert, but 
Raheem Mostert still like had little success in terms of like rushing yards because their offensive line is still so banged up. And as we know, a lot like Matthew Stafford, Tua has been an entirely different quarterback when he's under pressure this year. Not to mention Tyreek Hill having an unknown um, status. Even if he plays, is he at full strength? So honestly, there are so many question marks in this game, and I don't like how the teams match up that I think yet again, even in a nine-game slate, I'll probably be fading the highest total on the board. Do you think, uh, given that the pressure we saw Dallas put on Josh Allen, obviously Josh Allen gets away from pressure, maybe as good as any quarterback in the league, is are the are the Cowboys a sneaky DST play here with especially on DK where like the chalk defenses are going to be grouped together in this like twenty six to thirty one hundred dollar range? Jets maybe like near thirty percent ownership at thirty one hundred, a perfect price pivot off of Dallas. Both sides are sneaky defense plays. It basically comes down to who you think wins the game, and then you can choose that side and perhaps even tack on one of the running backs. Right now, I do like A-Chan coming in around 2-3% because he has been used as their pass catching back around on 60% of dropbacks the past two games. So Mostert's getting all the stuff inside the five, but... Honestly, if the offensive line can't create room for Mostert, then maybe it's A-Chain who gets there with a big play in the passing game. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's kind of both sides. We're going to need those explosive plays uh, more so than those long sustaining drives. Uh, as I mentioned, are you guys, are you guys, I think Armstead's going to play. Does that encourage you at all in terms of the offensive line stuff? A little bit. Um, the other side of the ball, yeah, we didn't even touch on either. Zach Martin seems like he's going to play, but... Uh, Tyron Smith is definitely going to be out. He's doubtful today. Um, it's worrisome for Dallas's offensive line, honestly, especially because Miami's defense, it's been an easy schedule since Jalen Ramsey came back, but still it, it's been since week eight, a long stretch of games. And they are in that span first in EPA per play first in EPA per drop back, uh, limiting opposing offenses to the fewest yards per play, per play in the league and limiting offenses to the fewest points on their drives. Only 20% of drives against them have scored points since week eight. So it's a, it's a concerning spot, honestly. Yeah, tough spot, and and usually in this spot where we have the highest scoring game with with two pretty good offenses with very um, with players that should be somewhat obvious, we get some cash game play from that. Um, again, the quarterbacks and the, the number one wide receivers are very expensive. Pollard is going to be like in the fringe cash game mix, just because like we have I don't know six usable running backs on the slate. And they're all going to be bunched between like 17 and 25% ownership. Um, probably going to repeat myself a lot in that respect when it comes to running backs. Uh, it's shaping up to, to be a, a possible four wide receiver in cash week, which is very rarely the case. Uh, next game, probably one that people are going to be more excited to stack than the Cowboys and Dolphins is Lions at Vikings Lions favored by three with a total of 24.75 in a game with a total of 47. Let's start on the Lions side. Daigle. This is a tough on paper matchup against the Vikings defense, but with a fully healthy offensive line last week, we saw Jared Goff go nuclear. So this looks like we'll see with the Vikings, the chalkiest team on the slate. This looks like very obvious leverage spot playing the Lions side, no matter how you want to play it. So is there a angle or way that stands out to you to play the Lions side of this game? And it's not road golf that the splits we should care about it's indoor versus outdoor golf and this game of course is indoors i just believe in the overall construct of the lions offense even a couple weeks ago against the bears whenever the bears defense drowned them both david 
Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs averaged over six yards per carry. And that's the toughest run defense in the entire league. So I definitely think the Lions offense is just built to get points here no matter what. And honestly, given the construction of the entire slate where as you said at the top, we're not scared of anyone. I, I don't want to play anyone in this slate. I'm, I, I dare <laughs> anyone to beat me here. If that's the case, then I started out the week high on Nick Mullins, knowing we could go down to Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard, and they could get there in this slate because of what we can do then with the rest of our lineup. But since everyone is kind of piling on Justin Fields, DJ Moore, Trey McBride stack, and also throwing in Ty Chandler for four players combining for, I'm not even kidding, maybe even over 100% collective ownership. I think the golf pivot is what stands out here. I was worried that he was going to get some recency bias for his five-touchdown performance um, on last Saturday night. But honestly, it doesn't seem like that since everyone's playing fields instead. So given that we don't have much receiver value either, I think I'm much more interested in doubling up golf here. Amon Ross St. Brown has the eighth highest target share against the Blitz this year. And as we know, Brian Flores is blitzing at the league's highest rate. In a slate with very little receiver values, Jameson Williams popped for a season-high target share and ran more routes than Josh Reynolds for the first time all year last week. So I kind of like doubling up golf here. Yeah, I I said going into Saturday last week that I thought the offensive line health was the most important part of that three-game slate. Um, Obviously, a little harder to lap the field on a nine-game slate, but we get the added bonus, uh, as I mentioned, of them, the Lions, being opposite of the chalkiest team on the slate. Crane, talk about the mega chalk there. Um, We're getting Ty Chandler coming off that big game. Alexander Madison likely still out. Uh, We saw Justin Jefferson get a 30% target share from Nick Mullins last week. Nick Mullins probably gets a little bit of of, uh, ownership as the cheap quarterback option here. So, I mean, if we do want to play the Minnesota side, one, how do we get unique? And two, would we consider Chandler bad chalk just because this is a pass funnel Lions defense? I don't necessarily consider Chandler bad chalk because you're looking at a slate where we don't have a lot of great running back options. He's 5,600 on DraftKings. Uh, He's in an environment where points should be scored, uh, and he had a total lock on carries, and he was good, and they're like, yeah, this dude's good. We uh, we probably should have realized that a while ago. I think they're going to play him a bunch. So, you know, a a pretty cheap running back is going to get a ton of carries and we think is good. Um, on a on a bad slate like this, I think I'm still I'm good. I'm I'm interested in in playing him if it doesn't mean. Although I like the I like everything Daigle just laid out with the field stuff. So maybe I have to buy another stuff. But it's more about the other chalk that I'll be deciding. You know if he's going to be a part of that or not. But I don't. I mean, it's tough to. I think Justin Jefferson's the way to to play this if you're going the the backup quarterback. You know, so to get unique like. I guess it would be Addison, which he scored two touchdowns. You know, it's 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 possible, but um, I don't know. Paying six thousand for Addison when we expect things to flow through Jefferson, uh, I would just rather go the golf route and not and not play a, a really high on Mullins without Jefferson. I I do think it's closer to the Zeke spot of last week for Ty Chandler, because as we've seen time and time again this year, the Bengals always correct bad running games. And that was the first time all year anyone has had success on the ground. Uh, Of course, 
Ty Chandler can get there because when you're in every touchback, and that's what he's been since Alexander Madison first rolled his ankle, since that time, Chandler has 37 to 40 running back touches. No one else is getting the ball. So if that's the case, then of course he can get there because he's explosive. But honestly, in this short slate, like it's Justin Fields and Ty Chandler, the two players were saying, I bet you can't beat us. And if you don't, the rest of the world is ours because they're going to be so heavily played. So I am much more willing, it sounds like, than Ukraine to get off of Chandler. I think I'll end up off of Chandler because I want to do the field stuff. And if, if he's going to end up being the cash game quarterback and then I'm going to eat chalk there, then I probably will get off of Chandler. But just in a vacuum, I I wouldn't have a problem if, if you were starting with Chandler. Um, no, no running back has reached 70 yards yet on the Lions all season long. Like they just constantly stuff it. I mean, Ch- Chandler is like objectively the best value on the slate. Him, as as Daigle said, him and Fields are the only clear cash game plays. Like cash cash is an absolute mess this week. I mean, I'm probably gonna play my lowest volume of cash I have all year. Um, but I, I think if I'm stacking this game, I think I could make a better case in getting away from ownership um, by fading Chandler because we have such an obvious pivot in the running backs on the other side. It's not just like pivoting to the running backs because they're running backs to the other side. They're running backs that we know can get there. And also I, I think maybe like the way we get unique is TJ Hawkinson. Like he's not going to be super low owned, but if Chandler's going to be 30%, Jefferson's going to be, I don't know, 25% Hawk's going to be 15 I like Hawk, especially because it is a week where uh, I, I think two tight end builds definitely are very much in play, especially on DK. So I, I think uh, rolling Hawk out there makes a lot of sense too. Uh, Chandler is, as I mentioned, the cash game play on both sites. Justin Jefferson, he, he go go ahead. I just want to ask you if you're if you're going to the Lions running backs. I mean, on DraftKings, Gibbs is seven thousand, Montgomery sixty nine hundred. Neither really project for any ownership. So it's really just you got to pick which one actually actually gets used and they lean on. Um, my lean, I think, would be Montgomery in the Lions control the game type of play. And um, but then you that game script sets up kind of bad for the Vikings chalk coming back because maybe they throw a bunch. Any any thoughts on how to play the the pivot? It would be definitely Gibbs for me because. Over the last month, the Lions have, or the Vikings have allowed um, eight catches per game to opposing backfields collectively. And Gibbs is still the pass catching back. Like since David Montgomery returned, Montgomery isn't even over 100 routes yet. And Gibbs is over 130. Like he's the guy who's out there. So to me, it's, it's it. You could do whatever you want with golf, honestly. You could even play golf naked if like you don't know where the touchdowns go and want to stack another game um, because he's going to come in so low owned. Yeah, I, I like um, Gibbs, be, one, because you can pair him with Goff, two, because the Vikings defense is good. So if the game uh, does speed up, it's probably through explosive plays and we're mo- more likely to get throws through Gibbs. Uh, so I think I like Gibbs more um, in stacks. Whereas if I'm, I'm drinking a, on this game. a hazy IPA. I'm sorry, TJ. <laughs> no, it's all right. <laughs> the holiday. Hey, we have to make it happen. Hazy's get a little, Hazy's get a little bit of a pass. Oh, oh, I didn't know. I didn't wow. know you gave New England IPA is a pass. Yeah, yeah breaking they're, news. They're, they're 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 at least approachable. Unlike oh, unlike okay. the Fal- unlike the Falcons and Colts game, which we're going to talk about next. Prize Picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform, and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, Prize Picks is simple. 
Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. PrizePix even offers in-game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together with more A.J. Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now it's possible. Just go to prizepix.com slash DFSNVP and use the promo code DFSNVP to match your first deposit up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. Falcons are favored by two and a half over the Colts in the game with a 44 and a half point total. Uh, Corinne, um, start with the Falcons side. Colts are 30th in schedule adjusted points allowed to running backs, but top 12 versus quarterbacks and wide receivers, which again, because of short slate, um, because of lack of options, we're probably going to get set up with gross Bijan shock. Obviously, Arthur Smith all over the news for multiple reasons past seven or eight days. So, I mean, are we just setting ourselves up for absolute disaster by playing 20% Bijan here? Yes. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. We, we know that. Um, but also, like, kind of get it. Like, they're going to run the ball here, and Bijan's good. Um, so, I, you know, it's he's 6,300 too. He's not that expensive. It is tough to play like Taylor Heineke's chalky running back who might not get the first the first carry or the second the second carry. I mean Patterson and Algier both touched the ball before him last week. I don't like that makes no sense. It's very difficult to understand what's going on. I'd also wouldn't surprise me if like Smith just like trolled us and fed Bijan this week. Um, and I think the more important thing, like heading into last week, my take was. Bijan's going to get like 50% of the carries. Now he got like 23%, so I was wrong, very wrong. But he had been getting 50% of the carries for like weeks, and if you're running a ton, 50% of the carries is actually fine. And so that I still that's sort of like my baseline expectation still, even though I know Arthur Smith can can hurt me pretty bad. Uh, speaking of Heineke coming back, uh, Drake London's obviously had some good momentum going. Pitts is the, the prairie yards King. So is there anything that stands out to you where Heineke hurts, uh, London or Pitts more or helps I, or helps? I shouldn't automatically say hurts, but either way, I, I think it probably hurts Pitts, um, helps London a little bit because I think maybe targets is consolidated a little bit more to London where Pitts is kind of more of the – they both get deep shots, but Pitts doesn't get as much else. Like Pitts is just kind of there to be more of like of a deep threat, and London is like the overall number one. And Heineke's deep ball just sucks. I mean, it's wor- he's worse than Ritter, and Ritter's really bad um, in terms of throwing downfield. So uh, maybe – I mean, I think it just hurts Pitts more than anything, but – yeah, Heineke, I mean, Heineke's success rate this year has actually been significantly worse than Ritter's. He's, he's been more efficient, but you would, if you were going to just like bet on one of them, if they were going to play the same number of snaps going forward to be more efficient, I think I'd still take Ritter as bad as he's been. Yeah. Uh, Daigle, on the other side, another player that should be played quite a bit is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he's coming back from injury. Looks like Michael Pittman is turning towards playing as well. Uh, so I want to ask you with JT coming back, let's assume he is in that like 20% range where 
especially if we get like if we get I don't know Bijan at twenty five percent. Where would you rank JT among the the chalky running backs, which includes Ty Chandler, uh, um, Rashad White, Bijan Robinson, Brees Hall, Tony Pollard, maybe Chuba and Devin Singletary too? I think the top two running backs in the slate are priced accordingly: Rashad White and Jonathan Taylor. They're just objectively the two best plays. That doesn't mean I, I don't mind getting off of them in tournaments, but they are definitely the best plays here, especially if Zach Moss is going to miss time, then we don't think Tyler Goodson or Trey Sermon are going to touch the ball. It's still going to be all Jonathan Taylor because uh, Taylor is not even questionable. Like you said, he was removed from the injury report altogether. So considering the Colts are fighting for a playoff spot, I would imagine it's all systems go here. Kareem, where would you rank these two running backs among the chalk running back plays that I just mentioned, both JT and Bijan? Uh, I think I'm with I think I'm with Daigle that JT belongs up near the top, especially if he's not going to be, um, you know, mega chalk. Like the guy would be worried mega chalk is Chandler. So yeah, I think JT's a pretty strong play. Yeah, I, like I mean the JT. thing about sorry that the, the I think he has game script going for him. I do worry a little bit about the Falcons' defense being pretty good against the run. It's so he he hasn't been as efficient this year as we were hoping. So that that would be what gives me pause. Do we have any interest in in Colts' passing game with uh, Pittman coming back? Pittman as a pivot is interesting. Yeah, uh, and Taylor Heineke's three games as well. That the Falcons played in over games went three and zero those totals. So. There's a little bit of offensive environment uh, that's interesting here since it's indoors as well, but really just a pivot, not like tacking our Gardner Minshew as we've experimented with a couple weeks now. Yeah, uh, Michael Pittman isn't like a perfect price pivot off of DJ Moore, but he is like right above him if you're scrolling. So a lot of people probably that are just clicking um, are probably going to look at DJ Moore and click him instead of Pittman. So I, I think that's uh, pretty interesting as well, especially if you play him as a one-off because as we mentioned, both Bijan and JT get ownership in this spot. So if we get Pittman, um, I don't know, even if he's at like low double digits, like 10%, I think it's still a really, really good play um, as a standalone play. Uh, we're kind of forcing the issue here on these next couple of games, even though we mentioned uh, one of them is chalky, but, but Seahawks and, and at Titans, uh, 41 and a half point total is low, but the Seahawks 22.25 team total is relatively high on this slate as three point favorites, uh, Geno Smith back, uh, from a growing injury Daigle. So with Geno and all of his pass catchers moderately priced here against Tennessee defense that can be beaten deep, as uh, Karine mentioned in the walkthrough. Um, is this a spot where we like any good contrarian spots? Uh, Kenneth Walker, it looks like he's expected to play. He should be a contrarian running back on a pretty bad running back slate. Uh, DK Metcalf probably goes overlooked because he is a little bit pricier than his teammates. I think people probably get to JSN if they get to anybody here. And that's interesting because I think DK Metcalf is in the best spot here, especially if we're getting Geno back. Uh, Metcalf's the one who, prior to Geno going down, like had eight targets in four consecutive games, at least eight. Um, so yeah, I I think a pivot off of DJ Moore to DK Metcalf is what I'm eyeing for tournaments instead. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a super interesting call because uh, uh, really the walkthrough this morning is what really got me on that. Uh, Karain on the other side, looks like Will Levis is going to, no, Will Levis is out, uh, going to be Ryan Tannehill, it looks like, uh, against Seattle's bad run defense. So probably doesn't matter who's at quarterback because it looks like Titans want to continue to lean on the run. So, I mean, do we have interest in Derrick Henry after you know, we thought last week was the beginning of, of D Hember and, and that was a huge bust. Uh, is it Henry or bust if we're looking at the Titans this week with Tannehill? I mean, I don't think Tannehill's like a real downgrade from Levis. I mean, they, they have very similar efficiency this, this year. I mean, Tannehill's been not very good, but Will Levis hasn't been all that good. He has his moments, but um, I don't think we need to be like overly fearful about this passing game. And I mean, the passing game is DeAndre Hopkins. It's all flowing through him. So, uh, you know, I have a little bit of interest there and I have interest in the Seattle side of this game. And so I think like, and honestly, Burks is so cheap at 3,100 that I think you, you could throw him in the mix too. Um, I think there's like, this is a really interesting game. I think Walker not being in the conversation of running back on a really gross running back slate at 6,200 is very interesting to me. I think he's, He's in a pretty good spot. He's getting um, all the rushing attempts, and you can run on the Titans. They're not; they're much better against the run of the pass. But I don't think the Seahawks are going to go nuts passing the ball. You know, they're they're like a balanced pass first team. Um, and I think they could control the game, and, and Walker could be set up very well. Uh, you could. I, I don't think I'm doing Tannehill <laughs> stacks, but I think you could do some pass catchers with, you know, Geno and like. I mean, could you do Geno and Walker and just bet on the, the Seahawks to kind of roll here? I mean, I think there's a few different ways to play it. I mean, the shorter the slate, the more likely or, or the more we should be willing to lean into like these onslaught type builds. Um, even if they're like light onslaughts, but quarterback running back one offense running away from the field. Um, I mean, like Dolphins Cowboys has to go absolutely nuclear for us to feel like we're really missing out because the pieces are so expensive there. Um, and then we're kind of just fading like Vikings and, and Bears chalk, which like I mean, that that doesn't sound too crazy, right? So I, I think this is a really – the the reason I do like slates like this is because you can play like a Seahawks stack and not feel like you're giving up a ton. I like it. Um, moving on to Bears and Cardinals, uh, who uh, I, I think Crane will have a lot to say about. Bears favored by four in a game with a 43-point total should have mentioned uh bears in the very very late window along with uh dolphins and cowboys in the very late window 425 kickoff there um against the cardinals crane you have fields as your cover boy in the walkthrough gonna be the chuck quarterback of the week he's the only quarterback we have projected for 20 dk points on this slate we know that there's only two players we want to stack him with. So I guess the question isn't if we like fields, but if we are stacking him, can we double him or do we have a read on if it's commit or DJ Moore? I think doubling him is in play because uh, commit's cheap enough and it's not like there's that many tight ends I'm excited to play. And so I can kind of get, get that done, but you know, you can do the McBride bring back move, which, which is going to be chalky, but it's, it's definitely interesting. Uh, just from a guys who can put up points perspective. The thing with Fields, right, is that he's going against this Cardinals defense that can't get pressure and doesn't blitz. And 
he's had a really up and down season, but when he's in these like really pristine spots, like he was against the commanders, right? This is kind of the, if he can sit back and, and take shots downfield, he has a really, really high ceiling. And this is a slate where there's not really any high ceiling options. I mean, if the, if a big part of the, the field is going to be playing like Nick Mullins stacks and I have to eat some chalk to, to get fields stacked up with DJ Moore in a great spot. I mean, that, that feels pretty good to me, even if, you know, it's not going to be uh, sneaky at all, you know? We're, um, we're Yeah, we're not projecting DJ Moore for, like, crazy high ownership. Um, on FanDuel, he isn't super cheap. On DK at 6,900, I fear that some people want to play fields, and Chandler is, is cheap enough for, like, you know, maybe he gets way out of hand. DJ Moore is the player that I am afraid gets out of hand. I Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, and it's just so it's just such a clean spot. I could feel I, this strikes me as one where I mean, when I looked like when I do the walkthrough, I'm doing it based on the cover boy is the guy I think like an incredible spot. And then I usually go and I look at the the ownership and I'm like, ah, oh, crap, he's going to be mega chalk. Um, but with fields, he wasn't projected to be mega chalk. But at the same time, would I be I would almost be surprised if he didn't get steamed to some extent because it's just, it is it's pretty obvious, right? It's the Cardinals and they can't defend the run either. So you're going to get him running a bunch. And I, I do think there's paths to failure. I mean, volume, I would say is one of the big paths to failure here where the Cardinals are a conservative team going against a really strong run defense. The bears aren't going to necessarily air it out more than they need to. Uh, they can run the ball with a three-way committee that we can't really get any fantasy value out of, and it doesn't go through fields. Maybe there just isn't that much capturable fantasy value on the in the Bears' offense after all. So if it ends up getting mega-steamed, I will probably look elsewhere. The, the Seahawks spot that we talked about is the, the one that I like the most um, if this looks unplayable. But if it looks moderately owned – being able to pivot from, you know, a Mullins stacks to a super high ceiling quarterback paired with his best weapon uh, in a great spot is, is very appealing. Yeah, that's the thing about Fields this week is that when we when we look at the quarterbacks that are off the slate, like Fields at even at twenty percent, he can lap the quarterback position. Where like the chances of DJ Moore lapping the wide receiver position are like a little bit less. So I, as Daigle said, I don't think we want to be playing Field stacks with McBride and Chandler. But if you're playing like Fields Comet, like I don't, you're not. You could probably play that with Chandler just because fields can run away from the field. Can I tell you the worst possible way to play this game that I'm probably going to end up going on? Yeah, please. A couple weeks ago, positive game script against the lions. Deontay Foreman had 13 carries to Roshan's three because he's their positive game script back last week. Uh, Justin Fields is under pressure on over 50% of his dropbacks. They put Roshan Johnson in for passing downs because he's their best pass protector. The Cardinals didn't blitz Brock Purdy a single time last week. They don't get pressure. So if we think the Bears will have a lead, and that's how they're protecting this game and playing this game, I think Deontay Foreman on an ugly running back slate is actually a really good play. So if if we're trying to get... Kind of an amazing call. I mean, if, so Daigle, would you... We're, we're, are we rather getting unique with, say, a Foreman than trying to like pivot to a random... Um, Cardinals bring back because again we're gonna have McBride shock Marquise Brown out. I mean, there's there's no Cardinals that we want to get unique with, right? 
you could maybe suck it up and play Michael Wilson because he did return to a full-time player last week. But again, it's so thin that Foreman and Bears defense is kind of the correlation here that is also the best leverage possible off of Chalky Fields, DJ Moore. All right. Well, um, what's the the Mark Cuban? Welcome to week sixteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, I I think it, it is. It's a weak running back slate, man. Like again, yeah. there's there's five players that probably shouldn't be chalked that are going to be near twenty percent. Um. So I mean, I yeah. I, if if the game script narrative holds, I mean, especially in large field stuff, I I I do think that is kind of the thing you have to be thinking about on this slate. Um. I don't know if I have the cojones to get there, but um, especially with us getting like a 5% uh, uh, Detroit running backs. But um, I mean, if we're getting a 0.5% foreman, you know, maybe that's how, maybe that's how we get unique opposite uh, Ty Chandler uh, on our mega. There are only nine games. There are only so many ways to go. Oh, for sure. Um, It's, it's direct leverage off the field. So you're getting, yeah. And again, that's how, that's how they use their committee literally only two weeks ago. They they leaned on Foreman. Uh, the only other team with uh, a, a respectable total on the slate is the Buccaneers favored by three in a game with 40, 41 and a half point total against the Jaguars. Still a chance we get Trevor Lawrence if he clears concussion protocol, uh, but not completely sure there yet. Buccaneers with a team total of 22.25. Uh, so Daigle, Jacksonville is one of the only teams in the league that is bottom half in schedule adjusted points allowed to every single position. So would you say that Rashad White is the highest floor play of the week? Definitely. And I love the environment of this game, even if C.J. Beathard's under center. If, if you can argue playing Nick Mullins, you can definitely argue playing C.J. Beathard if you want to get there as a cheap quarterback because this Bucks defense has been so atrocious out of their buy. Uh, and now, honestly, you can also get better with a condensed target share because it doesn't seem like Zay Jones is going to play. We know a couple weeks ago when Beathard came off the bench for Trevor Lawrence, he targeted Evan Ingram on four of his 10 passes. And if Zay Jones is out, it's kind of just all Calvin Ridley, who it was from Trevor Lawrence last week. But whenever Zay Jones left the field last week, no Christian Kirk, Ridley was targeted on 45% of throws from that point forward. So you have your two guys you go to, and honestly, if it's too thin for you, run it back with Becker Mayfield because, as you said, the Jags, Jags defense has also been absolutely terrible since they returned from Week 10 on. Uh, three different quarterbacks have gone over 300 yards against them in that time. It would have been four if Purdy didn't reach 296 and get benched in the fourth quarter for Sam Darnold because the 49ers were just scoring at will in that one. And Baker obviously has great last week, but also they're playing for a playoff spot here. So between... Rashad White with Baker, if you want to do that. You can go to Chris Godwin again, too, because these last two games, Godwin has a 41% target share to Mike Evans' 21%. Uh, also, Jags running the fourth highest rate of zone coverage, and Godwin has matched Evans in target per route run, 25% against zone this year. So, yeah, I kind of like a lot of pieces in this game for this slate. I got someone knocking on my door, Crane. Can you talk about the Jaguar side real quick? I'll be right back. Yeah, sure. I didn't sure. even know uh, you had people come over ever. So I think I think this is <laughs> I think this is kind of interesting for uh, this game environment if Trevor Lawrence goes. I mean, I I think personally I think it kind of changes the, the game environment because the Jaguars have been a pass funnel. Dago, I'm kind of interested in Mike Evans here. Um, where yes, Chris Godwin's been targeted like 11 times in back to back games now, but it seems like 
that's partly because defenses are just refusing to let Mike Evans do anything and they're just taking him away. And the Jaguars don't double team all that much. So I'm I'm interested in Evans is kind of going back to him. And I'm interested in this game potentially being pretty fun if Lawrence plays. So um, you know, you got a pass funnel, a pass funnel Jags defense, you got a terrible pass defense on the Buccaneers side. This is one of those, I think this game in the um the Seahawks Titans games are, are kind of like the undercover games this week. I'll never push back against Mike Evans. Chris Godwin obviously only has one touchdown on the year. And right now we are projecting Godwin to be higher roster than Evans. Uh, so if that's the case come lock as well, then sure. I could definitely get on Evans. I do want to play Godwin though, if he does come in at low ownership, but I definitely don't want to be scared off this game if it's better. Cause again, these defenses are so bad. I think they'll still be able to move the ball with ease on both sides. Whereas if Lawrence plays, that would be better, yes. But also, the game would collect more ownership because no one wants to play this game with Beathard. Is is this a spot where we we like skinnies a little bit more, or can we play the quarterbacks here? I think I think I like onslaughts. I think this is my. I like this game more than Bears Cardinals. Wow, Karen, you agree? I mean, if you're if you're looking for volume, then like to me, the Bears Cardinals is where you go do your skinnies because um, it's more about efficiency. This could be a this could be volume. I mean, you have teams that could. The, I'm a little concerned with the Buccaneers because they've been conservative recently. They've been really leaning and basically trying to hide Mayfield. I think even though he was really good last week, they still weren't that aggressive. So I would like them to be pushed. That's why I think Lawrence being out there probably does matter um, for like the overall kind of health of of the volume here. But if he's in, I think onslaughts are pretty interesting. Yeah, as we mentioned, uh, Rashad White and JT, kind of the only guys in the Ty Chandler range for cash. Uh, everyone else kind of forced into like a, a decent projection, but not a lot of other running backs we like um, besides uh, Rashad White, at least from a floor play this week. Uh, the only games we haven't touched on, Texans, Browns, Commanders, Jets, uh, uh, Panthers, and Packers. We might get some chalk from, like, again, Garrett Wilson kind of out of necessity, and he is cheap, even though they, they have a, a backup of a backup, backup at quarterback. Um, and then the Chuba Hubbard, again, volume play, um, but can poke a lot of holes there, depending on Jaden Reed's status. Maybe get, like, some uh, some Wicks chalk if Jaden Reed is out. But anything from any of those three games do anything for you, Daigle? Not really. Uh, if Jaden Reed and Christian Watson are out, and it kind of looks like it's headed that way, I think the Panthers' defense is the most interesting way to play this because Jordan Love has now been bad in back-to-back games, so we could easily just say that five-game stretch he had was based on the schedule, which I was trying to yell from the mountaintops the entire time. Just look at the secondaries he's playing. Um, And then it's a great spot for Chuba Hubbard. I think Chuba Hubbard's a better play in a vacuum over Ty Chandler this week. We got... 22 carries in three consecutive games. The Packers over the last month are one of only two defenses allowing over five yards per carry. There's going to be no volume in this game, which is why I have zero faith in any Packers wide receiver. So I kind of like Hubbard and the Panthers defense, honestly. 
Yeah, it's it's really tough. I mean, when you see my write up tomorrow, you will see that the actual blurbs um, are are much shorter than usual, and it's a lot of guys that are just listed because we're just have, having so many plays that are like we're forcing into cash, and and Chuba might be one of those guys where like he's just a volume play that if he fits into cash, maybe we have to use him. Uh, Karain, uh Texans, Browns, Commanders, Jets, uh, Panthers, Packers, any anything there? I like the I like the Chuba call, but. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if uh, like Brees Hall and, and, and Garrett Wilson are, are both projecting like around that 20% range. I mean, if they beat me, they beat me, I guess. Bre- right? Like I get the Brees Hall argument. I really do. Cause it's probably going to be favorable game script. Honestly, like how, how short is Sam Howe's leash in this game? I cannot is he even imagine- starting is how starting. I believe Ron Rivera they came said- out afterwards, like immediately after the game and called him the starter. Yeah. But there's no chance he makes it through because he's he was bad over the last month. Did we talk about this last week? Was I yelling about this last week? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're like he scored four rushing count touchdowns in a stretch of three games around their bye, but his scrambles weren't going up. He was literally just falling forward from inside the five yard line, which, as we know, is the least consistent way to produce fantasy points. And last week it was the same thing where he was bad through the air, didn't score the rushing touchdown, got benched. So I can't imagine he makes it through that game. Yeah, be, uh, I doubt I it too. And Brissett looked good. These guys are trying to one not get fired for Rivera and two get a job next year in Eric the Enemy. Like he's not he's not trying to like you know make sure Howell is is uh, is preserved here. Like I completely agree. But Brees, yeah, I mean I just think it's the ownership thing. Brees is in a pretty good spot because I think they will try to ride him. Uh, before we get to our favorite plays at each position, I want to remind everybody about prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy go to prizepicks.com slash dfsvp and use the code dfsvp for a first deposit match up to 100 we have another three player pick them where you can 5x your money starting with the saturday slate jalen warren projected for 68 and a half rushing plus receiving yards liking him for more than 68 and a half rushing plus receiving yards Probably gets a lot of pass game work with Mason Rudolph in there at quarterback this week. And obviously the 50-50 split with Najee Harris can definitely go Warren's way this week against Cincinnati. We just talked about the commanders and their troubles in the past game with Sam Howell. Terry McLaurin projecting for 48 and a half receiving yards. Who knows how long Howell will last or if and when Brissett comes in against that tough Jets defense like Terry McLaurin for less than 48 and a half receiving yards. And then going all the way back to that Miami game, Tyreek Hill likely to return. Tough pass rush in with in the Cowboys defense. Jalen Waddle projected for 65 and a half receiving yards, like him for less than 65 and a half receiving yards in that game. And again, three player pick them, five extra money at prizepicks.com. Don't forget to go to prizepicks.com slash DFS MVP. Use the code DFS MVP for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's hop right into it, Karain, with your favorite quarterback of the week. Yeah, as I talked about, I love Fields, but you'll you'll be covering him as the the chalk quarterback, um, the cash game quarterback. But yeah, I think I think Geno Smith is pretty interesting here. Um, Titans have a decent pass rush, uh, which is a little bit of a concern because the, the Seahawks have had a bit, bit of trouble protecting, but um, I think that DK Metcalf is interesting here. Kenneth Walker is interesting here. And I think generally, you know, you can pass on the Titans. Um, and so Gino coming back and we have people that we can play with him is, is pretty interesting. So 
Metcalf, I think, um, in particular, is interesting because you're going to be looking at the, the Seahawks probably trying to get the ball out quickly. And he actually has been their go-to guy on quick targets. Um, he's got the deeper dot, which is another way you can attack the Titans. But he's also the guy, if they're getting the ball out quickly, they involve DK a lot in that. So you might assume that like JSN is the shallow target guy, is the lower dot would be the guy uh, as part of the more quick passing game. But actually, if it's kind of designed quick stuff, designed shallow stuff, it, it often goes to DK. So I think there's... Um, and I, I kind of like some of the bring back options. So this game environment is is pretty interesting if it's going to go overlooked. Yeah. And again, Seahawks outside of DK are all really moderate um, salary along with relatively low ownership. So that is a fantastic spot. Daigle, your favorite quarterback of the week? For all the reasons mentioned earlier, I think we can sneak golf in indoors. And again, I may play him naked. Like if I can't decide which receiver to go to, I can just try to soak up four touchdowns uh, spread out across the offenses and I can play the other games I like between DK Metcalf and like Jags, Bucks, Stacks without the quarterback. So I like golf a lot the more I think about it. Yeah, I mean, those are probably my two favorite tournament teams by by quite a bit, the Seahawks um, and the Lions, especially with the Lions getting so much leverage off the Chalky Vikings. We've talked about Justin Fields quite a bit already, uh, even though he's a little bit of expensive on these type of slates where you can just poke holes in all the floor plays. You jam in these high floor plays, and we don't have a higher floor play this week than Justin Fields against the Cardinals in cash. Uh, Daigle, running back. Who did I write down? Chuba. Chuba Hubbard, as I mentioned earlier, a terrific spot. And everyone, I can already tell, is trying to play the cheap Packers wide receiver in a slate without much value. But I'm telling you, the Panthers, it's a bad spot. Since they're by 5.6 yards per attempt allowed to opposing quarterbacks, and that includes uh, Dak and Tua on their schedule. It's a good pass defense, and Jordan Love is not good enough to beat them. So I like Chuba in a, what could be quietly a favorable game script quite a bit. Who who do we think is would get assuming that like all of these guys do end up like across the industry they're projected seventeen to twenty five percent. Who do we think is more likely to get squeezed at similar salary, Chuba or Singletary? Chuba. I think Singletary. Singletary. Oh, you think so against the Browns? People just I mean, he's just easy to be like ah. Uh. You know, he's, he, he, no one feels that good about him being being actually talented. So I feel like no one wants to click the name Chuba. I just feel like people like just scrolling are like, there's there's not going to play him. I they, wish CJ Stroud were playing because Joe Flacco is he's still a good play, but that game would have a lot of ceiling if Stroud were playing. I'm worried about it now because Case Keenum, like you got to watch the tape. Like the Titans dropped four interceptions last week. Case Keaton was so bad in that game. He got away with it big time. Yeah, if if Chuba gets squeezed at all, I think he is arguably the best or I don't know, I would say top three tournament plays on the slate. Um, especially at the same especially at the same exact salary as Ty Chandler. Like if Ty Chandler comes in, like and, and the range of outcomes for Ty Chandler is like 40% ownership. So if that happens, like we could get Chuba at like 13 instead of 20, which is a big difference. Corrine, uh, who's your favorite running back? Devin Achan. Um, we, we've talked about how we need ceiling. We got to find ceiling. About the guy who's running back one in like every rushing metric. I uh, literally, like NFL Next Gen, which have my favorite um, rushing metrics, 
uh, efficiency metrics. They have a, a carry threshold, which Achan is now behind, but I but I had what he had like two weeks ago. So I've just been adding all of his carries as if they've like been just empty calorie carries. And he's, he's still number one in their rush yards over expected metric. He's still um, he, he's running back three in their success rate metric, assuming every touch he's had over the last two weeks has been unsuccessful. He's still running back three in that metric. So he's just been incredible this year. And we've got you know, a situation where normally like he comes back, we're not sure how healthy he is. And so we can't, we're like, is he even going to play? You can't play him. Um, and then he goes off and then the next week he's chalk, but you know, he didn't go off last week. Mostert's had a little bit of health question marks now, and he's not going to be chalk and it's a high total game and we expect them to run. So yeah, yeah. Sounds great. Um, Again, there we also think it's a gross running back slate, and ceiling is hard to find. So I think he'll be a big part of what I do this this week. Yeah, Mustard was a full participant after two consecutive DNPs, but uh, still, we saw what James Cook did to this defense last week, and I just don't think I I can get to expensive quarterback wide receiver combos here which is kind of how you have to play if you want to stack this game so hn is a way to get a lot of uh explosive plays in the game uh without spending uh, a ton of salary uh ty chandler i mean he is the floor play and probably the best uh overall game environment uh, of the week again fields chandler are cash game plays and then we're just kind of figuring it out from there after that it, it's it's pretty pretty gross for cash uh corain your favorite uh wide receiver this week DeAndre Hopkins, who I like as part of this Seattle stuff that I think I'll be doing. Um, Hopkins is interesting because, you know, he's like this veteran kind of just like just getting there on volume type of guy, you know, 27% targets per route run. Uh, he's got a 29% target share, but like also that's not true. He's got a 16.2 ADOT and he's 90th percentile in open score. So you're getting both. You're getting, actually he's a downfield uh, and he's winning on his routes. Maybe he doesn't win in like the most separation, but he like he gets his defender turned around, right? He gets body positioning. He's rating really well in in this route running metric. Plus he's he wins deep. Plus he gets targeted nonstop. The target competition just has not been there this year, and we could be looking at a really fun game environment here. Would you play Nuke in in non Seattle stacks, or do you at least want to skinny him? Uh, yeah, I would prefer like, but I would do like a Walker nuke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I would consider just playing him to be honest. Cause I think it's, you know, it's an interesting enough play, but I, yeah, I would prefer to do something with Seattle too. Uh, Daigle. As I mentioned earlier, the cheap wide receivers are far and few between mm -hmm. on this slate. And so that's why I'm curious how Jamison will come in at ownership. Uh, we'll probably have a much better idea by Sunday morning. But given his season-high target share, and those seven targets weren't just deep balls. They were calling plays purposely, specifically just for him, closer to the line of scrimmage too, actually getting him involved in the offense on Saturday night. So right now, he's my favorite cheap guy. But again, we're going to have to see where his ownership comes into. Yeah, I mean, we don't really have a sub-4K on sub four k guy on DK that is like really a, 
a slam slam dunk play. Um, you know, I guess if if Reed is out, is Wicks sub four? No, Wicks isn't even sub four K. He's forty three. So yeah, we don't really have a, a sub four K guy that um, is floating around there. So maybe if uh, if we don't get an obvious guy that's below four K, like at least Jameson uh, opens up some salary and gives you a unique build, especially if you're heavily stacking that game. Um, I don't know if we could fit Justin Jefferson in, but I just wanted to mention him here in the wide receiver category, especially on DK, because he's priced so much further uh, below uh, uh, the top wide receivers. We got uh, Tyreek Hill all the way up at 96, and you're getting Justin Jefferson all the way down at 81, a $1,500 difference for guys that I think have very similar ceilings this week. Uh, so Jefferson at that much of a discount, um, I think is worth consideration in all formats. Uh, Daigle, your favorite tight end of the week. As I mentioned earlier, whenever Beathard came off the bench and we'll see, I think right now still, we're going to get Trevor Lawrence, but when he came off the bench, four of his 10 passes were directed to Evan Ingram in that game without Christian Kirk. So even as a player who gets pelted underneath, I think Ingram is probably the safest option among all the Jaguars receivers. Yeah, I like how we went from like, if you were in concussion protocol, it was automatically you're out for at least one week. And I don't remember who the first guy was that came back earlier this year. And I think it's Chris Olave like, or Brock Purdy. Yeah, and now everyone, yeah, it was Purdy. It was Purdy. And now yeah. everyone's just clearing it in, in five days. So every every playoff oh, team. Uh, yeah, if you're a competing team and you're an important player, guess what? You don't have a concussion. Go NFL screw. Credit to the Texans. Uh, I mean, Stroud's, Stroud's been out a couple weeks. He's, that's true. They're yeah. taking it seriously. Fair enough. Um, not to get all, all conspiracy here on, on the weekend, but you know, <laughs> it's just funny to me. Uh, Karen, your favorite tight end of the week? Uh, Cole Komet, right? If we're doing the fields thing, um, and the field and the field is gonna take away the Trey McBride bring back that I want to do. Um, fine, I'll just use the tight end who's actually directly correlated to the tight end that I'm playing with. I, my concern would be um, that there's not a ton of passing volume here. DJ Moore is more interesting because he's he's the deeper ADOT guy. But Cole Komet's made some big plays this year, can obviously get there with with touchdowns too. So um and he's fairly he's fairly cheap. I mean, there's not that many cheap tight ends that are interesting this this week. So getting him getting tight end taken care of if you're stacking fields is nice. I would imagine yep. he's gonna be okay, but just yeah, everyone make sure to monitor because he was limited in Thursday and Friday's practice and is questionable. Yeah, and the the crazy thing about McBride Chalk, who is uh, the cash game tight end of the week, it's like he's not even cheap anymore. He's fifty seven hundred on DK, so we're not getting any salary savings by playing McBride. With that being said, on a slate where it's very hard to come by any type of floor play, as I've mentioned multiple times probably just going very cheap at wide receiver, just maybe like one moderately placed wide receiver, getting McBride's high target share in there. Uh, most targets per game over the last month among tight ends, 9.7 targets per game tied for seventh most in the league. Um, so if you consider that like wide receiver target number, um, he's still discounted compared to other guys that are getting that kind of target volume. Um, so cash cans for sure, but in GPPs, I mean, not getting a salary discount, not getting an ownership discount. So I can definitely see why you would like to fade him in that spot. DSTs. I mean, all over the place here this week. A lot of teams lot of bunched ones. together. Yeah, a lot of good ones, a lot of relatively cheap ones, which we haven't had a lot this week. Uh, but Daigle, one stands out to you. Panthers. And my pool's probably going to be small. I do like the Cowboys or Dolphins call. And right now with the offensive line injuries, I'm leaning toward Dolphins being the better play uh, that Corrine discussed earlier. But Panthers along with 
Bears, Jets, and Browns will probably be the pool I stick in. Uh, Corinne. Uh, uh, yeah, Corinne. Who do you got? Dolphins. Um, yeah. and yeah, I was kind of unsure of what to do, but yeah, Daigle, Daigle was talking earlier about this, and I, I like the Dolphins call because, um, the I think we're gonna get passing attempts out of the Cowboys. So if the, your bet is basically kind of running back last week's game script and seeing if the Dolphins can do to the Cowboys what the Bills just did. And I like playing A-Chan a lot. So I like the A-Chan Dolphins uh, stack. And the Dolphins aren't expensive. Some of these other defenses that I thought were kind of interesting uh, are just a little more expensive. than Like, I would love to go to the Lions, right, and kind of play the other side of that. I, but I'm not paying, what are they, like 3500 I'm not paying that. Uh, so the Dolphins also are very helpful salary-wise at only 2700 Man, and, and when the Cowboys – it hasn't happened often because they played in so many wonky game scripts this year, but when the Cowboys have looked bad, they just, like, don't even show up at any point. Both the Niners and Bills games, I mean, they were obsolete. Um, Jets look like the cash game defense on DK. They're priced up at, at $5,000 on FanDuel, so I guess you can just go to the other side and play Commanders on FanDuel. Um, I will say that we're projecting Jets for around 25% ownership DST on DK. I, I guess the concern there would be that like how will all of a sudden just get super conservative trying to save his job and stay on the field through four quarters. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think there are where they play Brissett. I think you feel yeah, worse yeah, about yeah. that. That defense play for that, comes in. that yeah. pissed me off so much last week. Cause I sabotaged drop Terry McLaurin in my redraft leagues. <laughs> and I was right. He had three catches or 48 yards until the last two drives. And then Brissett comes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he yeah. has 93 yards and a touchdown. It's yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, yeah, so I again, not just in GPPs, it's one of those games in cash where uh, you could kind of just throw in the DST that, that fits, and I don't think you're going to be giving up too much. Uh, even though it is holiday weekend, Daigle and I will be back Sunday morning in the Discord as usual. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, as always, much appreciated. The easiest way to give back is to like the channel, uh, subscribe to the channel, like the video, hit the notification bell so you know when we do go live. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, please give us a five-star rating and review. And as always, Corinne, remind everybody what you have going on over at Legendary Upside. Yeah, Legendary Upside, we got uh, some premium best ball uh, playoff best ball content. In addition to the tool that I mentioned earlier, we've got premium podcasts. You can also listen to the walkthrough on the premium podcast channel. Uh, check out the walkthrough at legendaryupside.com. I uh, also had Sacrilegious post an article on the best ball playoff uh, format, kind of like an overview. So if it's your first time diving in, kind of have you covered, good starting point there. So lots of great content. Uh, as we noted at the top, we are not exactly winding down right now. We are still churning out content over at Legendary Upside. Yeah, as I mentioned, uh, regularly scheduled programming for for content and shows uh, through the holiday weeks, weekend, start of the new year, um, as well as content for all these extra slates. As I mentioned, Saturday slate is already up on 444.com. The Christmas Monday three-game slate will be up uh, late tomorrow, early Sunday. And if you want more of us, you could find us on X slash Twitter slash whatever you call it these days. Corrine is at Pat Corrine. Legendary Upside is at Legendary Upside. Daigle is at Not J, not J Daigle. 444 is at 444 Football. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday morning.